love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Hi, and welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, professional triathlete, and I am here without my co-host, the one and only Haley Chura this week. Haley competed in the Ironman World Championships in St. George, Utah, hashtag Utah Kona, this past weekend, and she's taking a little break as she gears up to race again next weekend at the Herbalife Tri- LA triathlon. I think that's what we're calling it. Um, Olympic distance. So she's racing back to back weekends. Um, if you watched the coverage of the world championships, you know, it was an extremely, extremely hard, brutal, brutal day out there. And we need Haley to rest and recover as best she can. So she comes back in good form and we'll be hearing from her more in the upcoming weeks. Don't worry. But until then folks, you get me the one and only Alyssa Kadesky here talking to myself for a little bit. But I'm going to do a really fun episode for everyone anyway. We're going to dive into the mailbag and answer a handful of questions from there. You're just going to get my perspective and we will then have a pretty empty mailbag, everyone. So you can help out the Iron Women podcast by helping to refill the mailbag after this episode. And you can do that by sending your questions, thoughts, comments, anything to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. But first, I did want to talk a little bit about the coverage of the World Championships. I'm sure many of you were watching. Uh, we all were eagerly watching Haley out there, and she was first out of the water. She led until about, I think, mile 20 on the bike, and it was super, super exciting to get to watch her throw down. I think no one was even within striking distance out of the water. So she was definitely doing what she knows how to do best and uh, just kind of, you know, showing people that she can swim. And we know that. And, you know, I was a little confused. So it was funny. I had a day of training actually on Saturday in my head going into that day. I was like, oh, this is great. I I know what I'm going to be doing all day on Saturday. You know, great coverage. Listen to Dee Dee. Tell us about the Ironman coverage all day. And then Saturday rolls around. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen because I actually have a full day of training here. So I caught the coverage later and it was actually really hard for me to find because it was, they were still calling it the 2021 world championship. So when I went into Facebook watch or Facebook now, whichever it is to try or Ironman now, maybe to try to find the coverage, I was like, all I can find is the 2021 coverage. And my brain was not connecting the dots that this was the 2021 coverage and they still left it titled that. So I am curious if people, if your swag says 2021, are there dates on that? Did they, you know, have that all in hand for October and then they're using it now for this race? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case. And as someone who has worked in race events and things, I also, um, you know, wouldn't chastise Ironman for making that move because those things are certainly expensive and take up a lot of resources. So, you know, we wouldn't want them to just go into a landfill somewhere. So if they were able to reuse them, hopefully they could. Um, and, but it was, you know, I don't know, I feel like somewhere in the title, they could have said 2021, but also this is May, 2022. So that I didn't spend that extra 15 minutes looking for the coverage, but eventually I realized what it was, turned it on and got to see it all. Um, super exciting day out there. We made some podium picks in our iron women preview show. And I would just like to point out that I think 
you know, I had, I forget what Dee Dee picked. I should have gone back and listened, but I didn't. And mostly because I just want to call myself the winner because I did pick the podium correctly. I think I had the order wrong, but I did have Annie Haug, Daniela Reef, and Kat Matthews, I believe, as my three on the podium. And that was, that was the podium. Daniela Reef won um, in a time of 8.34, which is absolutely insane on that. Hashtag Utah Kona course. Kat Matthews was second uh, with an 8.43. And Annie Haug with an 8.47 rounded out, took bronze. Super exciting. Really great women. Good to see them all kind of in the mix and, you know, battling and, and getting it done. Um, other familiar Iron Women names. We've had so many of them on the podcast. Great to see them out there. Sky Munch. Um, let's see. We've had Ruth Astle, Laura Siddle. Uh, and those that we haven't, we definitely will be reaching out in the coming weeks. So hopefully we will be getting some more of those top contenders onto the podcast. They can tell us about their day, but I can tell from the coverage alone and also from my coach and friend, Hillary Biscay, who is on the ground for our team of athletes that we had racing, that it was just a really, really tough day. I think, you know, a course like St. George is super honest. It's super hard. Um, and it left, it left nothing for people to not be prepared for, you know, it brought out all the weaknesses. So I think between the heat, um, on the bike, you also have like a little bit of elevation out there. So I think that's not negligible. And when it mixes with heat, that can be a pretty tough combo for some people. Um, similar to Kona, you know, from the aerial shots that we were getting of people on the bike, it looked like just so open, so exposed, which makes it feel extra hot. I think even, you know, even when it is a little cooler, you just look around and there's no trees or shade or anything. And you just, you, you feel like it must be hotter than it is. Um, and I think a lot of those just long, endless climbs are, you know, felt from the coverage similar to how it can be in Kona on some of those days when the wind is bad and you're just on the Queen K with no shade and no respite to be found. So I think that was a pretty comparable comparable situation from one world championship venue to the next. Um, and then the run, the run looked like it was a lot harder than the Kona run course. Um, you know, I will definitely be eager to hear some people's take on that and what they thought. Um, I think not only the uphills, but the downhills seemed relentless and just the heat of the day coming off the bike and having to run hard and run fast on that was really, really hard. So, um, kudos to everyone who got to the starting line and put themselves out there and, uh, major kudos to those who also found themselves at the finish lines. I think no matter your day, that's definitely something to be proud of. And, um, yeah, we're, we're all excited for you at the iron women podcast for you completing that race. So super, super exciting. Um, and okay. So we've covered some coverage, We've talked about how I won the podium pick contest because no one else is here to dispute that. And just a quick thank you to our sponsors. Um, That's It is back. So if you have been thinking about ordering those That's It bars, definitely do. I They are still my go-to snack. I am loving them and I will be packing them up for an adventure race this weekend. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely take a look at our show notes to get that discount code. Inside Tracker, if you haven't been getting regular blood testing, now is the time. They make it super, super easy and quick. So definitely 
do that as an athlete. That should be a top priority. Try hard, grab some swim shampoo and conditioner, lotion, all that good stuff, things that we need and we're using every day. Lifetime fitness, race New York City triathlon, once in a lifetime bucket list experience. And of course, noon hydration, which I will also be putting into my pack this weekend at the adventure race. I'm sipping on noon instant actually right now because it's going to be hot this weekend. I live in New Hampshire and we're having a heat wave. I ran outside today and it was 80 degrees, which has been a, quite a while since I felt it be 80 degrees. And um, we are not ready for that. The bodies in this climate are not ready for 80 degrees yet. So noon instant, I am leaning on heavily right now and I'm having a noon instant a day in preparation for the weekend to kind of preload some of that electrolyte sodium and help my body through the hot, hot 24 hours of racing I have ahead. Um, I'm racing a race called the Longest Day, which seems like a very apt adventure racing name for a 24-hour race. It's probably going to feel like a very long day out there. And it is put on by the New York Adventure Racing Association, Nyara. Um, and we're headed to the Catskills, which is super exciting. Um, I know the Adirondacks quite well in upstate New York, but I have actually been to the Catskills very, very briefly, I think. Um, haven't really had time to explore there or do much in that region, but I've heard so many great things and I'm really, really excited to get to explore. And there is no better way to explore than through adventure racing. So I will be trekking, pack rafting, and mountain biking my way through the Catskills a bit this weekend. And I am super excited to get to race again and we'll let you guys all know how it went next week. Um, and like I said, I will be diving into the mailbag for our show today. But first, sit tight. We're just going to have a quick break from our sponsors. Okay, we're back. And as promised, it's time to open up the mailbag, take a look at what's inside, answer some questions. I have some good ones here for everyone. So the first one I picked out, um, well, actually, first, before I forget to remind you, if you want to send in your own questions to the future mailbags, maybe we'll start doing regular mailbag episodes if the mailbag fills up so much that we can't control it. And you can you can fill it up by sending in your questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you want to know. We'll take a take a stab at trying to get you those answers. And first up is a question about COVID. Because while the major woes, I guess, of the pandemic have kind of been put behind us, COVID is still for sure a thing. And a lot of people are getting COVID now that, you know, things are opening up, people are racing more, and you might be training for your race this year and you get COVID, which is a total, total bummer. So this person is curious what advice there is for picking up training again after COVID. So when you're sick, you obviously have the fatigue, the post-viral syndrome risks. So how do you figure out when you can start back up? Do you pick up exactly where you left off? Do you go back to your last recovery week, et cetera? And this is a great question. And I'm going to start off by saying the answer that everyone hates to hear, which is it depends. Um, I have had many athletes that I coach get COVID and I don't think any of their recoveries have been, you know, textbook copies of the other. So there's definitely no one protocol that I feel like is, you know, best other than to say it depends and to take a look at exactly what you are feeling, how, you know, your body is responding to things and, and everything like that. So, you know, some people definitely had a pretty mild case. They felt okay during it. Um, 
and they felt like the worst of it kind of came and went pretty quickly. And for those people, um, you know, even keeping moving during COVID, um, just getting outside for a quick walk, a lot of them still had to quarantine and stuff. Well, everyone still had to quarantine when they had it, but, um, you know, so just getting outside even for some movement was okay. And they, they didn't feel like it was kind of wearing them down anymore. Maybe they just had some congestion and things like that. So definitely keep moving, you know, gently, I think throughout if they're up for it um, and it's not wearing them down. Um, often I kind of use the like above the shoulders rule. So if you're feeling the sickness above your shoulders and you're up for movement, it's okay. Um, but if it's below your shoulders and more in your body, you're feeling achy, really flu-like, um, that's when even if mentally you really want to work out, you got to rest um, for sure. So that's kind of during. And I think the reason you don't want to, you really need to be honest with yourself about how you're feeling and not overdo it during is uh, the risk of that post-viral syndrome. And, you know, I think for people who did kind of push a little bit too hard while they had uh, the COVID infection, that's what we're seeing a lot of the long-term COVID patients have. But I think also a lot of people probably rested the whole time and they're still getting long-term COVID. So you know, not definitely not a one-to-one, but if you are feeling quite bad, don't be afraid to rest during because it will, I feel like, increase your odds of kind of getting past it once you're, once you're better. Um, and in terms of kind of recovery, so COVID or flu or any kind of sickness, you know, I definitely don't think it's necessarily a pick up right where you left off the first day you're back to movement. Um, I like to do kind of like a phased approach to getting back into things where the first day, you know, people will do kind of maybe an easy bike ride because that's like the most non-invasive. It's not like you're really pounding on your body. You're not using tons and tons of energy. You can just kind of sit and soft pedal a little bit to get some movement back, right? If that goes successfully, then we might add in an easy, easy jog. It might even be like walk a minute, run a minute the next day, and then also an easy spin. And if both of those go successfully, then you can kind of decide where to pick back up. Um, And again, deciding where kind of depends on how long you've been out. If you've been out with COVID for two weeks or something, then you're definitely not going to just pick up running where you left off. I would suggest, you know, um, just kind of ramping up gradually until you kind of hit that point maybe over the course of like three to five days or something. Um, And don't be afraid, you know, sometimes people try and run and they're like, oh, this is bad. And then we go back three steps and they're back to a full rest day, you know? So, but we have learned probably the one thing that is clear across everyone who's had COVID is that you have to take it seriously and you don't want to push your luck. So um, next week we actually have Sarah Karpinski coming on the show and she recently had COVID. Um, and I think we will be asking her questions about her recovery too. So hopefully she'll give us some insight into her personal experience with it. And I think that is all I have to say about that. So we'll move on to our next question, which is about the mental health challenge of training and how to move forward when a less than successful training session impacted the rest of your day, maybe made you feel pretty bad about yourself, like you're taking it on to your self-worth. Obviously, you know, you have a great workout, you feel like a rock star, but when the workouts aren't going well once, maybe even twice, and it's compounding, how can that not affect your days and start to make you feel really bad and, um, you know, increasing that self-judgment in a negative manner? So 
This is a really good question too. I think a lot of people use triathlon and their exercise kind of as that escape to make them feel better, right? And then if that's not going well, it's really easy to fall down that slippery slope of like, man, like I suck. This is like not worth it. I'm putting so much into this and why am I doing it? And I'm just failing, 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 right? So totally understandable question. How do you get past it? And I think that one of the biggest lessons I have learned as an athlete through all of my years of endurance sports is that I now, I like, I understand that failure is a part of the process. And in many ways, I look at training and I'm thinking to myself that if I'm not failing at times, then I'm probably not striving maybe to be, you know, the, the most top end I can be in some ways. So I know that with my own coach, Hillary, she is a really great coach. And I'm sure that there are sometimes she is setting me up to fail when she's writing workouts, when she's putting things together. And that's a mark of a good coach. It just has to happen, you know, in in certain ways. Um, and so I think because she did that quite well for me through the last decade of her coaching me, I have seen how failure can be an instrumental process, part of the process, right? And... I also think that like getting through the bad workouts and managing to keep your head on straight helps you when racing gets tough and you know, it's going to help in those really low moments of the race where you're like, man, I'm just for the past half hour, I'm not doing what I want to be doing and nothing seems good and blah, blah, blah. Right. So if you've already gone through that mental process to kind of reverse that thought process in training, it will also happen in the races because the truth is everyone's having these thoughts. Everyone kind of, you know, has those doubts and judgments, but that process to work through it and turn it around is definitely a skill. So it's a skill you have to develop. So I definitely suggest, you know, having an open dialogue with your coach about it if you have one. Um, And if you don't, maybe like even kind of journaling through the bad things. So like if you're having a really rough workout day, workout week, you know, even just writing down for yourself so that like you can kind of objectively see that, you know, maybe today was bad, but like two days ago, you really smashed a great workout out of the park and you were super proud of yourself then, right? So obviously you didn't go from queen of the world to someone who can't finish a 5k in two days, And sometimes it just takes you to take a step back and remind yourself that objectively. So maybe writing it down, kind of trying to take a step back and an objective look at your own training, I think could be helpful. And then I also think that having other things other than triathlon can be really helpful, right? Um, Family, work, um, community involvement, anything like that, that isn't sport related, I think is a good outlet. I often hear the advice given to pros that they should, you know, pros should have something else other than sport because it is really easy to fall into that trap where it just becomes a really mental game and it's really hard to snap out of it if you don't have something else kind of completely different to take your mind off of it for a little bit and to remind you maybe that like it is just sport and it's okay and, you know, keep grinding away and, you know, you got to get through the lows to have the highs and those kinds of things. So, that is important, I think. And then also reach out to training partners. If you know, if you're having a rough few days, like reach out to a friend, try and get someone to run with you, see if someone can pace you through your next workout. 
just sometimes the company helps. Um, or even the flip side of that is reach out to your training partners, ask what their training is, say, Hey, can I help you with your session? If that's something you're available to do. Um, because I think that, you know, helping other people, you know, if you can use your fitness to help someone else through, get through something that they're scared of, that they've been failing, et cetera, it's going to make you feel pretty good. And then, you know, maybe with that kind of positivity rating, radiating from you, you'll be able to kind of, you know, turn your own workouts around. So just a couple ideas there. Um, but I, you know, it's important to remember those are normal thoughts. I think everyone has them. It's definitely a, a normal part of sport. So we have another question come in and this one I actually forgot to answer a few weeks ago. Um, when we had been maybe like a month, two months, oops, ago, we had been talking about treadmill running and how to use that as a tool and things like that. And I believe the initial question that came in was about treadmill running and about how it feels harder, I think, or easier to run on the treadmill versus outside. And I think the person was saying that they had heard treadmill running doesn't really mimic outdoor running. And so like kind of our thoughts on that, that sort of thing. Um, this person wrote in and said that, you know, asked what we thought about running on a 1% incline on the treadmill to resemble, resemble the outdoor running. And so maybe if the listener is using 0%, it feels like easier in a way and not like outdoor running. But if she bumped it up to 1% or I've even heard one and a half percent, it might, you know, resemble more of the work required to run outdoors. And I definitely have heard this. I think that's a thing. Um, sometimes I definitely have people running at, uh, you know, a slight incline to get that, especially if it's something where someone was maybe just supposed to do an hour easy outside, but it's like torrential downpour. They really don't want to go outside. So, you know, instead of just running at 0% on the treadmill, I might have some of that time be at 1% or 1.5% just to kind of simulate the outdoors a little bit more. But I don't think it's like a perfect um, one-to-one swap, even in that instance. And I think kind of what we said in that initial answer still holds where the treadmill is not always like running outside. And it's just more something that we can look at as a tool that um, helps your leg turnover, helps your cadence, and, you know, it can kind of force you to run some speeds. Maybe you can't hit outside. Maybe it forces you to run easy, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, even bumping it up to one and one and a half percent, I don't think is is 100 percent comparable to outside. Because if you think about the outside, you're going up a little bit, you're going down, you know, you're certainly not locked into a one and a half, one percent incline outside either. It's just that doing that gives you a little bit more resistance, um, which kind of equates to some of the elements I think we hit outside. So definitely something, again, that kind of goes into the toolbox of the treadmill sets. But I think that the biggest thing is learning to take a look at the treadmill and as more of a tool versus more of like a one-for-one swap for when you're running outside. Great questions. I hope everyone's still with me and really digging this mailbag episode because I like getting my brain picked, I have to say. Um, So we have three more questions to go. And here we go. Okay. Um, The first one to go is about fear of cycling. After a bad fall or an accident, how do we face the fear and keep cycling? The listener wrote in that they knew Haley had a bad accident. So any tips? And obviously we don't have Haley to share her tips here, but I have been hit by a car before. I did have a terrible, terrible crash in Wanaka uh, back in 2016, I believe. Um, 
that was really, really bad. So I definitely have experience with this as well. And it's tough. Um, it's really tough. I think, you know, that mental, your brain is a really smart muscle and it is, you know, kind of instilling a little bit of fear for good reason to keep you safe, you know? And so I think that for one, you can respect that, you know? Um, and I think not trying to just like compartmentalize it and shove it out of your brain is an important thing. I think it's important to vocalize it and like tell your family and friends like, hey, I'm nervous about cycling again, right? Talk through it with people. Um, talk to a therapist about it if you can do that or go to someone. I think that, you know, they can probably give you some tools too with like facing that kind of fear. Um, but I, I definitely think it's not something to be like embarrassed about or ashamed of or try and hide. I think the more you kind of open up about it will be helpful. I think that can help you because maybe people will ride outside with you in those first few rides. So that was definitely something I did. Um, I knew that for me, for me, I had some really serious injuries and it was just like, um, like, uh, surface injuries mostly on my face. And I had to wait for a lot of that to heal before I could get back on the bike. But then as soon as I had the okay to, I really tried to get back outside, even if it was just a tiny, tiny spin around my neighborhood and get back on my bike. Um, because I knew for me, it was important to just show myself I wasn't like I had made the decision that I wasn't going to then put the bike away forever, right? Because of that. So even the tiniest things were part of that process for me. And then I was kind of fortunate in a way, I guess, that pretty soon after that accident, I was going to a camp. Um, and so a training camp with uh, my athletes and, and people we coach. And I was coaching actually that year. And so it was actually really helpful because. I had then, you know, 20 people I was riding with and feeling much safer on the roads with um, than if I was just going out solo. So maybe go to your local group ride, hang with the C group or something, you know, the whoever's in the back just to kind of get your bearings, right? Don't worry about pushing it or anything like that, but just try to get back out there with people or just text some friends, see if you can organize something go at off hours where there won't be a lot of traffic, things like that. Um, stick to bike paths, maybe. Um, you know, the um, environment can be really help helpful, like just keeping quieter place until you get, you know, a little bit more comfortable. Um, I know for me, I also got a rear, the rear light that connects to your computer and tells you when cars are approaching. And that was also really helpful for me as I got more nervous about cars on the road after being hit. Um, I think it's the Garmin Varia and that connects to your bike computer and it shows you where the cars are coming. It kind of has color indications of how fast they're coming and things like that. And it just really helps me make safer cycling decisions about when I'm turning, um, if I'm going to eat or drink, you know, if I'm going to be in my aero bars, that sort of thing. Uh, having that awareness of the traffic behind me is really good. And I know that with that blinking light, it's just one more piece where they can kind of see me better and avoid me. So um, that was just mentally helpful for me too. But again, I think my my first piece of advice is definitely don't don't hide the fact that you're nervous. You know, talk to people. You're not alone in that. And I mean, plenty of people are nervous to ride outside and they haven't been had an accident of any sort. So um, I think I think normalizing it is probably pretty helpful for people. Next question is about imposter syndrome. So if we look at a group of iron women, 
People are generally type A, driven, and strive to be the best they can be. Is it just me, or do many of us age groupers feel like we are pretending to be iron women? Given my age, I feel more like a platinum woman or a platypus, depending on the day. So I love this question, and I am here to say that even the pros feel like that at times, right? So I think that, you know, imposter syndrome is like has a name these days and has kind of come to forefront more because it's a real thing and so many people struggle with that. And I think this kind of goes hand in hand with some of the other stuff I've been talking about where, you know, realizing that it's all a process, that everyone's failing workouts, it's never going to be perfect, you know, um, things like that. And that like striving to be the best they can be is different from being some sort of perfect image of an iron woman that you might have in your head, right? So striving to be the best you can be still means you're going to fail and still means that, um, you know, failure is part of that process. But I think that, um, you know, a lot of people have some unrealistic expectations and then kind of feel bad if they're not meeting those. And so I think it's important to take a step back again and be kind of objective about that. Um, I also think that figuring out what you're passionate about, right. And doing that. So part of, I think the iron women imposter syndrome comes from people hearing about Ironman triathlon and being like, that's what I need to do to do triathlon. And I am here to tell you like, no, you do not need to be doing Ironman distance racing. Um, you know, triathlons have all sorts of distances, everything is a triathlon. You are an, a triathlete. If you do a sprint, you are a triathlete. If you do an Ironman, right? So I think that really narrowing in on what you feel passionate about and what gets you out of bed every day um, is important because then, you know, if you are kind of doing an Ironman distance triathlon just because you think that that's what you should be doing. I think that will certainly kind of foster that imposter syndrome feelings and just not make you as bold in your ownership of kind of who you are and what you're doing as a triathlete. So I think figuring out what you're passionate about and owning that is like a huge part of fighting imposter syndrome. And I am here to say that sprints are great and you can still go to brunch after you do a sprint or an Olympic and it's amazing. So more power to that for sure. Last question, everyone, I know you're going to be sad when these, this mailbag is empty, is about how do we make it more fun? I love this. Iron Man glorifies the grueling superhuman efforts. What can we do to bring the fun back, the joy of being alive and badass? So this question is great. I think that this is something probably a lot of people have been thinking about since COVID because races weren't happening. You know, you couldn't go do an Ironman to just feel alive and feel badass, right? And like, maybe you realize that being a mom <laughs> to, you know, a toddler makes you feel alive and badass because it should, because that's really hard too. And so how can we bring that fun back, the joy of being alive? Maybe you're kind of like just burnt out on that idea of having to do the Ironman to, to achieve that. Um, and I guess this kind of relates to the other one too, is like figuring out what's exciting to you. Like sit down, 
make a list of races that are going to get you out of bed in the morning. You know, like, is it the New York City Triathlon? Because then you should sign up with Lifetime Fitness um, through Lifetime Fitness, New York City Triathlon. They're doing great things for women in try. So you can go support that. Um, if that gets you excited to get out of bed, I think, um, you know, is it your, your local grassroots events? I think I started in triathlon doing a lot of local events and they were so fun. Like the pick where you want to rack your bike, you get to pick, you can do your layout with your gear any way you want, because they're not really policing it because it's a local triathlon and it's super fun. And like so many of the rules is that there are no rules, you know? So going to those events, I think are really, really fun and help me remember, um, that, you know, you can like, there's, and there's always such good athletes at them. And like, you know, when you're there, you're like, man, these people are really good athletes. They're badasses. They're doing this local Olympic that I can do that too. And I can be a badass just by doing my, my own local Olympic too. So I think you, that's a big thing. Um, I talked about it in another question too, like spending some time helping others with their training. And I think that is something you can do to make you feel really alive. Like when you're giving back, I think it's such a good way to like really amp you up and make you feel like you're doing something positive and being a part of the triathlon community and doing something worthwhile, right? More so than you just going and executing your own race. So I think that can be really important. Um, get involved with your local master's group, your Wednesday night ride group, your women's mountain bike group, your Saturday morning run group, right? So many towns. There's very few towns in the world, I think, that don't have these things. I know you don't have to write into the mailbag to tell me that your town doesn't have it because I know there are some towns, but many, many towns have these things and take advantage of them. They're so fun. You never know who you're going to meet, network with, all of that good stuff. Um, great way to kind of take your mind off of like grueling things and just enjoy being out there and running with friends or swimming with friends or whatever. I think a lot of people could also take more advantages of relays. Um, so many triathlons now offer relays and putting together a group of three or even like two and you do two things, they do one, whatever is a really fun way to not only introduce people to triathlon. If you have friends, you want to get into triathlon, but also you can race more if you're only doing part of it. So you could do more races maybe in the year, but it's just fun to be on a team and to like have that team aspect in a sport that's often so individual. And then I think my last suggestion for this is to head to a camp. So find a training camp that suits you and go. I think, you know, getting camps can be like grueling and superhuman efforts, but camps can be so much fun. And it's just a different way to do it than to have to, you know, go and race. I think I've always gotten more out of training camps and things like that than I do out of the individual races themselves, just as a human being. So that's definitely something I would suggest to people. Um, and with that, whew, 35 minutes of just listening to me talk, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And again, maybe we'll make this a regular thing. And if you want that to happen, you got to send us questions because now I've used them all up. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send us in your questions, refill up our mailbag. We are so thankful to all of our sponsors. You can support them in the show notes. Uh, all the information of how to support them is in the show notes. You could also rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Everything really does make a difference that you do. Thank you so much for listening. And Haley, if you're listening, we can't wait till you're back. Rest and recover. Race hard this weekend. And 
I'll talk to you soon. Bye. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening. All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year. And I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. Try hard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're going to need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like it's definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, <laughs> try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the Try Hard products with the code 20FEISTY, that's 20FEISTY, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20FEISTY for 20% off at tryhard.co. Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us. And let's be real, Chasing Epic is feisty. Orca has been a longtime partner of Feisty and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. They also supported me on Team USA last year at the One Water Race, which was most definitely also Chasing Epic. With Orca's range of triathlon wetsuits, including Apex and Athlex, you can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. There's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your epic adventures. And as a feisty listener, you can get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Alyssa, AminoCo has been a longtime podcast sponsor, and every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our AminoCo ad, I'm always shocked to hear how AminoCo co-founder Dr. Robert Wolf has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me either. It is very impressive, and it gives me a lot of confidence Dr. Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took AminoCo Heal before and after my recent knee surgery. I've been using Heal a lot after really big workouts as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite, AminoCo Perform, before and during my hardest sessions. Do you have a favorite flavor? 
for perform, I definitely go with the strawberry lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for heel, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really well into my post-workout shakes that I make. Wait, what do you put in your shakes? Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes collagen, you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like I make them cold. But the winter shakes are a little less fancy. Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. I don't know, make, make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well. But uh, well, however you like your Amino Co, you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using Perform and Heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources. Head to aminoco.com slash ironwomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using Aminoco products. Then select your favorite products and use code ironwomen for 30% off at checkout. First time purchases also come with a free gift. That's aminoco.com forward slash ironwomen and code ironwomen for 30% off.